Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're getting into to what uh, could be one of the more well-known, um, maybe even one of the more well-abused in our series when we looked at context. We looked at Romans 8.28, and uh, you hear that verse quoted a lot. And so we will uh, we'll dig in um, probably next week uh, regarding that. But we've said in Romans 8 that the... The idea there, what Paul is relaying to us and, and challenging us with, encouraging us with, is the idea of assurance. And, and encouraging us and reminding us that God is for us, not against us. That, that we would persevere, that, that no matter what, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And all, all throughout this chapter, Paul is doing that. And he's doing that specifically through the work of the Spirit. He's encouraging us in the midst of our weaknesses, in the midst of our journey, that God has, in the meantime, He has given us His Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, to comfort us, to encourage us, to cause us to walk in His ways. And, and one, of the, one of the blessings of the Spirit we begin to see in verse 26, and, and we see it as our main point, and and depending on how this is going, I've struggled all weekend with, with uh, you, you've got your hand out there. We're going we're gonna to see how this goes. We may only just do point one and then skip to the, to the application, just depending on how this goes, how I feel at the, when we get closer to the time. But you'll see there is your main point. Here's the main point. Paul is continuing to show you how God helps his children. He is continuing to show uh, how the, he encourages and equips and, and that he is for you, not against you. And what he does here in verse 26, he continues that by, by showing us this, that, that we can hope in the midst of this journey, in the midst of the present sufferings that aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us, in the midst of our groaning, in the midst of our, of our having a foretaste of what is to come but not having experienced that fully, in the midst of all of that, we can wait with patient fortitude and assurance because the Spirit, and here it is, intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God as God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and as He conforms us to His image. Romans 8 is a tremendous chapter for, for developing what, what theologians would call pneumatology, a... a a theology of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 is huge. And today we're looking at specifically, you know, verses 26 and 27. We may give you a glimpse of 28 through 30 so that I can come back next week and dig in in greater details. But, but Paul is showing us, again, what God has done for us. How God has blessed us. How God has equipped us. Again, to live this life, to walk this journey as we walk. To give us, what we said many weeks ago, assurance. The whole gist of Romans 8 is to assure you. Uh, later on, he'll say in, in verse 31, If God is for you, who is against you? The answer is nobody. That's the point that Paul wants you to understand. The challenge is that right now, again, we're not fully what we will be one day. And in the meantime, how has God, how is God helping us? How has God helped us? 
And even in the midst, we can be assured. Again, all throughout this chapter, verse 2, the, the law of the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 4, the Spirit helps us fulfill the requirement of the law. Verse 6, the Spirit gives life and peace. Verse 11, will raise you from the dead. The, verse 13, has put to death the deed. Walk by the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body. Verse 14, you're led by the Spirit. 15 and 16, He bears witness that you're adopted. Verse 23, a, a foretaste of the final redemption. All of that. And yet today, Paul adds, as if there needed to be more, there is more. And, and, and what Paul says here, you'll see on your handout, number one, and there may not be a number two today, we'll come back next week, but the point is this. When someone would say, okay, Chris, what does that intercession mean? And here's what it means, that God has graciously given you the Spirit, given the Spirit to His children to help. To help us with our weaknesses as we wait. Specifically with regards to our prayers and petitions. Specifically with regards to our prayers and petitions. Paul, Paul says he's given us the spirit for our time of waiting. To encourage us. To, to fuel our hope. And look what Paul says to begin verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also. Some of your translations may say likewise. It, when you see that, what, Paul, what is Paul saying? When, when you're reading and you get to a new paragraph and it says likewise, what is that telling you to do? It's reminding you that what I've just said, I'm adding to it. Go back to what I've just said. And, and, and again, Paul is saying, he is telling us, this is how the Spirit gives us help. This is what I've been saying, and this is what I want to continue to say. The Spirit has, has been helping us in our sufferings, and that our sufferings are worth enduring for Christ's sake. All of verses 18 through 25, as we groan, as we, as we labor, as we suffer, the Spirit helps us. And, and what we see here in verse 26 is Paul is saying the Spirit continues to help us and I'm going to tell you another way that the Spirit helps you. The, the challenge is, in, 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 uh, and, and I was talking with somebody even yesterday, and the challenge is stopping at 27, 28 and 29 and 30 are part of what we see in 26 and 27. This is all tied together. Please, And, and this is the challenge in, in, write, in reading the Bible. Nobody would read a book and just go to chapter 5, read two paragraphs, and put it down. Why? Because what happened in chapters 1 through 4 and what happens in 6 through whatever matter. And so there's a danger when we start breaking the book up. I mean, you already think I preached too long. Imagine if we tried to cover the whole book. Now, Wednesday night, I said, forgive me. What's going to take me 18 months to preach through, we covered in an hour and 15 minutes. So, again, forgive me. But what we gave them was the skeleton. And so over this course of time, what, I, what we're doing, and I, and, I, and I hear a lot of people are gracious and email me and, and, and are saying what a blessing is. We're putting, the meats on the, we're putting meat on the bone. We're helping you understand the skeleton. And, and what Paul is saying here, again... Even in the midst of 26 and 27, the Spirit helps us. Listen, you and I, here's the challenge. You and I, 
do not always know the will of God in every given situation, correct? We do not know God's will in every situation. I, I think every single one of us in here would, would I, I, even this morning, even this morning as I drove here, A song came on the radio and it hearkened me back to a funeral where I, I prayed specifically for a week for something that didn't, God didn't answer it the way I wanted it to be answered. God's will in that situation was different than what I wanted. There's a weakness there. Part, part of our, part of what we've been redeemed and yet we still have indwelling sin. And, 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 and I don't know what God's will is for every situation. Here's the other problem. If we're honest, if we're honest, sometimes we don't even want God's will in every situation. We don't like it. And that's part of this fallenness and, and that we're battling you know, Scripture says, who, you, you, you're a good father. Who, who, being a good father, if his son asks for a stick, will give him a snake? Here's the problem. Sometimes I ask for the snake. Knowingly or unknowingly. And, and I was reminded of that this morning as I, you know, and I, I was picking somebody up on the way here, so I had to stop. And I was like, Chris, you've got to get it together. Before you pick this person up, they're going to not even want to get in the car with you. Like, what's your problem this morning? But, but we're, listen, we're weak in that. We're weak in the fact that we do not know perfectly what God's will is in every situation. Listen, what he has revealed in this, in this word, we know. Even, even, Friday, as I was thinking about it, Romans 13, obey the government. Listen, I don't have to like it. I don't have to agree with it. I got to obey it. That's clearly God's will. What is God's desire? Are they going to grant us permission to use that? I don't know. And, and what Paul is saying, in the same way, the Spirit, verse 26, helps our weakness. And Paul says very specifically here, here's our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we should. That's the weakness. The, the word weakness there, the word helps our weakness, the phrase there literally means to come to the aid of. Listen, it literally means to bear a burden alongside. Do you see how good God is? Do you see how understanding and, and, and gracious he is to us in our fallenness? Listen, you don't always know what the will of God is. I don't always know what the will of God is. But guess what? Along this journey, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who does know what the will of God is. And you see it in our handout. The Spirit helps us bear our burdens. Due to all the frustrations that we've just seen in Romans 8. The Spirit helps bear those burdens. And, and Paul doesn't even, here's what I love about this. Paul doesn't even exclude himself here. It's not like he said, hey, the Spirit helps your weaknesses. What does he say there? 
the Spirit helps our weaknesses. Even Paul was not immune to this. To, the, to this weakness. You and I, believer, we're weak in that sense. We don't always know what the will of God is. And, and the challenge is we don't always want it. We don't always in our natural, just naturally embrace what God might be doing or want to do through us. We don't accept, we have a hard time accepting it sometimes. And, and the symptom is we don't know how to pray. And, and what Paul is saying here is, and you see it in a handout, he's not referring to a manner or the manner or the style of praying. He's talking about the content of our praying. What are you praying for? Part of this already not yet situation that you and I battle with and that we walk in is we do not know God's will in every situation. We do not know what God wants to do through every situation. And we're given, we're given two examples of this. You can write these down. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul in 1 through 4, I mean 1 through 6, Paul is given this grand vision of heaven. And then in verse 7, God gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Paul says, I implored the Lord three times to take that thorn away. And what was God's answer? No. My grace is sufficient in your weaknesses. Okay. In Philippians 1, you see in verse, starting in verse 21, write those down. Go read Philippians 1, 21 through 26. Paul is battling. He's in prison. And he's saying, Lord, do I, should I pray to die or should I pray to live? Lord, is it your will that I'm going to get out of this prison or is it your will that I'm going to die in this prison? I am hard-pressed on both sides. He didn't know. And, and all of these are symptoms. It's symptoms of where we are in the journey. It's symptoms of that not yet aspect of our adoption. It's, it's that we have been saved, like we said last week, in hope. And, and it can be, we, we will not know what God's will is in every situation. And sometimes, if we're honest, we don't even want it. That's why I appreciate Daniel so carefully picking lyrics. You think about the song. You think about that for just a moment. Don't just sing it. You think about that phrase, do whatever you want, Lord. Think about that phrase. That it, listen, that's why it matters, as we'll see in a minute, that we understand that God is sovereign and that God is good. Because if he's not good, you better not say to him, do whatever you want to do. And, and again, we, we, we don't know what God's will is and what he's doing in every situation. And, and there's a sense of humility in that. There's a sense of submission in that. That's why, that's why when we pray, it is an, even an act of submission. Hey, God, this is what I desire, but not my will, but your will be done. I'm going to submit to whatever you decide to do. And, and you see it on your handout. In our weakness, we do not always know what to pray for in our circumstances. And, and understand that Paul is writing, again, verses 26 and 27, to encourage and to assure us in the midst of that weakness, listen, God has dealt with and addressed that weakness in the person of the Spirit. 
Again, this is why it is so important. We've seen from 1 Thessalonians 5, from Ephesians 4, that we do not grieve and quench the Spirit. And we do that through sin. We do that through ignoring the Word. We do that through living our own way. When you do that, again, you're cutting off the supply line to help in your weakness. And one of the primary ways that we do that is simply through sin. It's simply through not allowing God's word, Colossians 3.16, to richly dwell within us. Because whatever fills you controls you. That's Ephesians 5.18. So we grieve and quench the spirit by, by ignoring God's word, by, by not hiding God's word in our heart. Because again, whatever fills you controls you. And, and, and the, the Spirit helps us to discern the will of God, but even when we don't know, the Spirit helps our weakness. And, and there's lots of opinions here. It says, we do not know how we should pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We, people are debate, they debate and they, they have all kinds of opinions about what these groanings are. Are these groanings of the believer? Are these groanings of the Spirit? Can we discern them? Listen, I'm not telling you I'm smart enough to know. But here's the good news. We can disagree over the slight details of what those groanings are, but, but we can agree on the overall sense and the tone that Paul is writing to encourage you in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your weakness, that God is for you, not against you, even when you don't know how to pray. That you can be assured, believer, in every situation. Here's the freedom. Pray. Pray. And the overarching point that Paul is making here, you see it on your handout, is that God has provided for his children while they wait. God is a good father. He has helped you to overcome our weakness of not knowing what to pray for, not knowing what the will of God is in every situation. And it's the Spirit who does this, who intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We don't even know what He's doing. We may not even know He's doing it. Again, the, the reality, you, there's a whole sermon there. You, just think, God is working for you and on your behalf even when you don't know it. Again, you see it on your handout, even when you're not aware of it. God's working on your behalf. God is for us. There, there, is, there is no condemnation even in our weakness, even in not knowing what to pray for. And, and again, you, you know, we've all been in that situation where, you know, some, we know something has happened. We don't know what's go, we don't know the details. We don't know what's going on. We don't know the circumstances. And yet, just pray. Pray. You, there's no condemnation. We can dispend, We can depend on the Spirit to intercede on our behalf. And and, and you see on your handout, there's tremendous comfort. This ought to provide you tremendous comfort. 
Our failure, listen, our failure to understand God's purposes and plans, our failure to see the beginning and the end, doesn't mean that we can't be effective in our prayers. Again, this whole chapter, this whole chapter is to assure you, believer. It's to give you confidence. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is for you, not against you. He'll close with saying, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not even not knowing what to pray for. And, and, and there ought to be great trump comfort here too, of just, you can't pray wrong necessarily. Pray. I mean, and, and this is really the essence of a, of a father-child relationship. You think about your kids. I don't know about your kids. My kids have no problem asking. They got no problem asking. But here's the point. They've got to learn to accept a no. And they've got to learn to accept yes. See, immaturity, immature people can't stand to hear no. That's the problem. They hate to hear no. All of us are great when we get our own way, right? It's, it's when we don't. All of us are great when we know exactly what's going on. It's the times that we don't, and we have to trust. And what Paul is saying here is, listen, you won't always know, believer. And yet in the midst of that, there's comfort. There's encouragement to know that I've given you the Spirit to help with those weaknesses. And, and, and he continues this in verse 27, and, so, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according, there it is, to the will of God. In the void of knowing God's will perfectly, in that gap. And, and, and created by that is consequently the wanting and, or praying rightly for God's will to be done. In the midst of our ineffective prayers at times, guess whose prayers are effective? The Spirit's. You, you, see, how the assur- you see how, again, Paul is building this idea of assurance. Even when you don't know what to pray for, even when, even when you have no idea, even when you don't even, even in, even in times when you don't even want what you know God's will, the Spirit is interceding for you. He's helping. You can have assurance knowing that God responds to prayers expressed on our behalf by the Spirit. God is at work even when you're not aware of it. And what he's doing here, again, he's creating in us a tremendous amount of assurance as God's children. Because you think about all the times that your kids come to you and they ask you from their, they're asking you for things from their perspective. And yet you as a parent have a totally different, a better perspective, right? They're asking you for something, and, and, and maybe it's something you've already put into motion. They're worried about something you've already put into motion. 
Maybe they're asking about something that you've already said no to and is never going to happen. Maybe they're asking about something that if they knew better, they would know that that's really going to hurt them and not help them. That's a, that, that is a picture, again, as you as a parent are tasked with answering those for what is best for your kids. You know, there are times you think about it as a parent that your kids aren't aware of it and you're advocating, you're working on their behalf, you're interceding for them, maybe in a situation at school, maybe in another situation, maybe you've already gone and have a conversations and they're worried about it and you've already worked it out. And if they knew what you knew, it'd be a different story. That's a similar picture of what's going on here. The Holy Spirit intercedes, is working for you, even when you don't know, again, even when you're not aware of it, but specifically to help our prayers, because we don't always know explicitly what God's desire is. And again, this ought to create tremendous assurance in our hearts as God's children. You see it on your handout. Not only do we have Jesus Christ in heaven interceding on our behalf, defending us from all the charges, that's 1 John 2, 1, but we have the Spirit who intercedes, and the Word is effectively, effectively taking our prayers, effectively interceding with the Father. Do you see the assurance? Not only is Jesus Christ interceding on your behalf, the Spirit is interceding with the Father on your behalf. Do you see how there is a, the Trinity is all, the Trinity, all three parts of the Trinity, believer, hear me, they're for you. It's not just that God is for you. Christ is for you. The Spirit is for you. Do you see how the assurance of our salvation, that ought not to ever be questioned if we're really believers. All three members of the Trinity are for you. I mean, grasp the assurance here. All three members of the Trinity are in agreement about your salvation, about your standing before God. Uh, uh, they are for you. They're for who you are in Christ. I dare say they want it more than you want it. That, that's my struggle as a, a I, honestly, that's my struggle sometimes as a pastor and as a counselor and all that. Sometimes I think I want it for people more than they want it. God's for you. If we would, if we would grasp that, Paul, Paul is going to great lengths to say that, that he's for you. That, that's how verses 28 through 30, we know, listen, because God is doing that, because the Spirit is doing that, because Christ is doing that, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Do you see how, you see how 28 makes sense now? Because the entire Trinity is making sure of that. And so I, I want to close here real quick. And, and I, I, John Piper offered these up, and I, and I, I wanted to ensure them and... and this probably won't ever happen again, but you'll have ample time. I wanted you to have ample time to consider this. I wanted you to have ample time to go fellowship. 
again, like I said, I was debating, you know, what to preach and whether to jump into 28 through 30. And, and I, I'm going to pause on that because even giving you the overarching truths there, you, you can fill in. Uh, you could probably guess what those were if you look at the text, but we'll jump into those very specifically next week. But, 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 but because regard to 26 through 28, grasp this. I, I dare say, if we're honest, if we're honest, prayer is probably one of those things that every single one of us would agree that we don't take advantage of that privilege the way that we should. And I think we would all agree that it's, those, it's really primarily in those rare circumstances where we've exhausted every other means. And, oh, it's come to that. We've got to pray. And yet, God has, God has set us in, said to us in Hebrews that you and I, because of Christ, can boldly approach God's throne. In 1 Peter 5, casting all our anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. Even here, he's given you the assurance, brother and sister in Christ, that even when you don't know what to pray for, freely pray. Pray. I, I want to I encourage us with a couple of truths here. You'll see them on the back side of your handout there, application there, one through five. We'll, we'll fill in the blanks later next week. We'll come back and that'll give me more time even to dive in. I was going to dive in and kind of whet your appetite, and then dig in more next week, but it, it, it's probably better this way. Five, five ways. I'm going to give you five ways that you should be encouraged by verses 26 and 27. That if, you trust, if you're trusting in Christ and you groan, you desire, you yearn in your heart for God to be exalted at every point in your life, here's from John Piper, here are five truths that you should be encouraged with. The first one is this. Be encouraged that you are not expected to know the will of God in every respect, in every circumstance. We'll get there eventually at the end of Romans 11 when Paul has explained in Romans 9-11 through some very deep, challenging truths. He says how indescribable you are, God, how, how much beyond me you are, how unsearchable, how unfathomable your ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, your ways, Lord, are higher than my ways. They're greater than my ways. They're not my ways. And I'm glad for that. You're, you're not expected to know. Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must, number one, believe that he is. Number two, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We're not always going to know. You and I are going to have to make decisions based on faith. To the glory of God. I desire to glorify you, God. I've done, all, I've done everything I can to, to know what you would desire. There are principles in your word that inform me. There are principles in your word that teach me. And I'm going to apply those by faith and I'm going to make the best decision I can make. Sometimes that works out well and sometimes it doesn't. And, and I thought about this. I think about a child. If, if one of our kids, if, if Bradley or Sarah Grace, if they set out and they said, listen, I just want to please my mom and dad. And they went out and they did something. 
and it didn't work out great. It wasn't sinful. I'm not saying that. It, it, they meant well, they went out, and it didn't work out. How do you think Karen and I are going to respond to them? With grace, with mercy. They desired to honor their parents. They desired to do what is right. It just didn't work out. We, we've got, that goes back to seeing that God is good. Those goes back to seeing like the parable of talents. How do you view God? Is he good? Is he gracious? I don't want two kids growing up in my house to think, man, we better get this exactly right or Karen and mom and dad are just going to come down on us. No. I want them to feel free to go take risks. I want them to feel free to go live in faith and seek to glorify God. And when it doesn't work out, guess what? Don't worry about it. Take This ought to free us to take tremendous risks on behalf of God. We're not, because again, we're not expected to know exactly every time. Walk by faith. Again, in, first, in Philippians 1 and 2 Corinthians 12, Paul didn't know. He didn't know what God's will was exactly. You go to 2 Corinthians, I think it's 2, Paul goes to Troas and he says, Hey, finding no risk in my spirit, I went on to Macedonia. But he prayed. In the, in the void of that, he prayed. And this text is telling you, believer, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to wrestle with what to do. But pray. Because, listen, you have a Father, you have a Savior, and you have the Spirit who does know. And the Spirit is interceding on you on behalf for you. Who knows? God's for you. Be encouraged. Secondly, be encouraged that in your perplexity and groaning, you are not being watched, you're being understood. You know, I don't hover over my kids waiting for them to mess up. I'm encouraging them. And this text is meant to encourage you that God is for you, brother, sister. He's for you. There's, there's a group of Word of Life students, and Katie and Luke have begun bringing here, and I'm grateful. Listen, they don't, they're, they're going to school, they're training, they're studying the Word, they're doing the best they can to equip themselves, to prepare themselves for ministry. They don't know what, they don't know what, what job God has for them. They don't know, the, they don't know where they're going to serve next. Pray. Take a leap of faith. Equip yourself to be effective and faithful wherever God, wherever you go. And go glorify God. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. That's what God has commanded. That's clearly the will of God. It may be in, it may be in Oklahoma. It may be in Texas. It may be here. Wherever it is, do it to the glory of God. Your Father will be pleased if that's your approach. And in the meantime, the Spirit is interceding for you to guide and direct. Thirdly, be encouraged that God's work for you is not limited. It's not limited to what you can understand and express by words. And this is huge. 
God, God's work for you is not limited to simply what you can understand. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more exceedingly beyond everything we ask or even think. Here's the beauty of the God of this Bible. No matter how awesome, no matter how big, no matter how great you think he is, he's bigger. He's greater. I don't care how big you think he is. I don't care what you think he can do. You haven't even scratched the surface of what he's able to do. Is that the God we serve? Is that the God you really trust and believe in? Even there, that ought to give you tremendous assurance. Go live. Go take risks in faith. Because he's able to do far more exceedingly beyond. Don't limit God to what you think or what you know. I mean, again, read the Word, study the Word, but here's what you're going to walk away with. You're going to walk away, really, what Job did in Job 40, verse 4, and you're going to say, listen, behold, I put my hand on my mouth. Because God is infinitely greater and more awesome than you will ever think that he is. And be glad. Again, that ought to give you tremendous peace. Like, like what it says in Philippians 4, a peace that passes all understanding. There's nothing, nothing that you will ever go through that God is not greater than. Nothing that you'll go through that caught God off guard. And again, as we'll see next week, nothing that God isn't using and hasn't even planned to conform you to the image of His Son. But even there, we'll see, listen, here's the problem. God gets to determine the good. God does work all things out for the good of those who love him. Again, the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But here's the deal. Just like you as a parent, our Heavenly Father, he gets the right to determine the good. He gets the right to determine what is good. And and you think about how this ties together. You and I aren't smart enough to know that. And we're not pure enough in that sense, in the practical sense, to even want it sometimes. God gets to determine the good. Because if we were honest in here, sometimes we want things that we shouldn't want. And sometimes we want, we could even want good things for the wrong reasons. And even there, rest in God's sovereignty. That's what Paul said in Philippians 1. To be sure, some preach Christ out of ill motives. You know what Paul said? To my own hurt. You know what Paul said? Who cares as long as Christ is glorified? Do whatever you want about me. I don't care. Why? Because he knew right here, he had the whole Trinity interceding on his behalf. That God's God's activity and God's work for him was not limited to only what he could see. It wasn't even limited by him being in prison. Fourthly, be encouraged that in your weakness and sickness and loss and hardship and danger, listen, the Spirit of God is praying for you and not against you. Go to verse 31. Paul's conclusion What shall we say to these things? Read it with me. If God is for us, who is against us? What's the answer? No one. No one. 
Like this is the this is how crazy assure of an assurance God has given us. The very thing that Satan means to destroy you by is the very thing that God uses to conform you to his image, draw you to himself, and, and create a greater intimacy with him, if, if you'll let it. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3. That, that I would rejoice not only in the resurrection, power, but also what? The fellowship of his sufferings. This is what Paul says at the end. Nothing can separate you. That's why he says in verse 37, we, we more than conquerors, we overwhelmingly conquer. Why? Because the very thing that Satan means to harm you and destroy you with, God uses to glorify you, even death. You understand that? Even death cannot separate you from God's promises. Like Satan's greatest enemy that he could challenge you with can't overcome God's love. Go take risks in faith. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The Spirit right now is interceding for you, believer. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of pain, God is for you. Fifthly, be encouraged that God the Father hears the prayer, the prayers of the Spirit. I want you to think about that just for a moment if you can. Right now, the Holy Spirit is, is interceding with the Father on your behalf. You know what? In a minute later, you know what he's doing? He's interceding on your behalf. And the next minute, he's interceding on your behalf. And the next minute, he's interceding on your behalf. Always, and those prayers are always heard. They're always answered. Why? Because they're in perfect conformity to God's will. And, and if we're honest, if we would let this sink in, this, this, these truths are so relevant to us as we battle through circumstances that we don't know what God is doing, as we, as we seek to honor God in the midst of hard times, as we seek to persevere, as we seek to glorify God, as we seek to struggle, God, what are you doing? Listen, know that God is for you and not against you. So whatever it is you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, here's the answer. It isn't because God isn't for you. And it isn't because God's up there saying, oh man, I can't believe what, can you believe what happened? I didn't have no clue that was going on. Man, that has totally surprised me. We better figure out how to make this work. That's not it. I want you to discuss these in your grow groups. If you're in a grow group and you build on the sermon, discuss these. That our, our, the beauty, that our inability to pray as precisely as we would want to, as we would like to, as maybe we ought to, doesn't hinder the working out of God's perfect will in our lives. And that ought to be great news. Rest assured that when you aren't sure what to pray for, pray anyway. That we have intercession on our behalf even in times as this. Amen?